Chapter 5 to Northumberland Towards 2 o'clock in the afternoon The emperor, accompanied by the persons, decide to form his suite in St. Helena Quitted the Bowerfin and went on board the Northumberland This time no royal honors awaited him Nothing but respect and an extreme affectation of formal politeness. The orders of government were positive. It was General Bonaparte, chief of the French government, and not the Emperor Napoleon, whom Admiral Sir George Cockburn was charged to conduct to and retained as a prisoner in St. Helena paying him the greatest military honors after those due to sovereigns. With regard to us, orders were given to accord the honors due to our various ranks in the army. Everything was in confusion on board the Northumberland, which was quite dismasted when the minister resolved on sending the emperor to St. Helena and when it was found to be impracticable to send the Bellerophon on so long a voyage. As she was a very old ship, the Northumberland had consequently just been repaired. Ten days had served to rig, arm, and equip her, and to bring her from the docks at Portsmouth into the roads at Start Bay. But the painting, interior arrangements, and all the luxuries in the victualling department yet remained to be attended to. Evening call showed that there were 1,080 persons on board, including two companies of picked men and the staff officers of the 53rd Foot. Captain Ross was the commander of this splendid vessel of 80 guns. He was an officer of merit and an amiable and obliging man. He paid all of us those little attentions which are so gratifying, and to do him justice, never reminded us by any of his actions that we were prisoners on board his ship. The space between the decks had been divided into several chambers for the accommodation of the emperor and admiral in the center with a saloon and dining room. On the right and on the left, a bedroom, communicating both with the saloon and dining room, mechanical bed, made in order to avoid feeling the rolling motion of the vessel, had been erected in the chamber destined for the emperor, but he did not use it, preferring his ordinary camp bed. This camp bed was made of iron and could be folded after the manner of an umbrella with two mattresses, a pillow, the coverlets, sheets and curtains, in a leathern case, one meter high, and... 45 centimeters in diameter, which could be instantly attached to a carriage like a portmanteau. During a campaign, a sumpter mule carried it along with his tent and his furniture. The curtains were of green taffeta, the mattresses and the coverlet made of wadded silk. Nothing could be lighter or more convenient. During the whole time of his sojourn at St. Helena, the emperor never slept on any other bed. His chamber on board the Northumberland was furnished in the same manner as his tent on the banks of the Moskva had been. Since his departure from X, he had reassumed the green uniform of the chasseurs of his guard. He continued to wear it during the whole voyage. Lord Lothar 
Mr. Littleton had, I know not why, obtained permission to be on the deck of the Northumberland when we arrived. They were presented by the Admiral and had the honor of attracting the attention of the Emperor, who conversed a long time with them on the deck. It would be very difficult for me to express the astonishment and admiration of these gentlemen. They were astonished at the Emperor's extensive acquaintance with the social organization and resources of England. All that they saw and heard formed a perfect contrast with the false ideas which they had taken up with respect to the person and politics of Napoleon before they had either seen or heard him. What interested them above all was to hear from his own mouth that he had constantly endeavored to unite the two nations in the bonds of friendship and mutual interest only demanding for France the scepter of the continent and leaving to England that of the seas.